0: Hi, feel from the virtual coffee house and today I'm going to be talking about mind nudging what it is why we need it and then I'm going to share an audio walkthrough of an example of a mind nudging script that will help you understand the theory and the process that we go through to design experiential mind nudges and these are mind nudges that can disrupt and change our thinking so they're really powerful and they can also change our emotional state one thought One limiting belief or one unconscious bias at a time. Mind nudges are one to three minute long audio. They can be in written format or they can be in video format like animation, but they're experiential and learner centred. So rather than being trainer centred, information based, they're much more about learner centred. So the learner gets the task to do more a micro coaching bite, you might like to call it. And they're carefully designed to bypass a slow conscious mind and anchor a new seed of thought. And I say that carefully because it can just sometimes be a seed of a new thought into our unconscious mind. Over 24 days, a daily mind nudging sprint, we call those when they're over a number of days, sprints rather than programs. But they can really change a whole frame. So one mind nudge. Whilst it can put in a new thought, each sprint is designed to change a whole frame or more than one frame of mind, depending. But the question is, why do we need mind nudging in the workplace as part of a more blended approach to learning and, more importantly, behaviour and cultural change? Why should we even care? So the answer is simple. In the new world of work, as I'm sure you know, we need everyone to upgrade their higher order thinking skills, like creative thinking, analytical thinking, critical thinking, as well as developing our emotional intelligence, our mental well-being, and ultimately work towards sort of self-actualization. In short, we all need to become lifelong learners and we need to be able to master and navigate our own minds to think for ourselves. As leaders, we need to move from doing the thinking for our people to facilitating them to think for themselves. Once we make that massive paradigm shift that really is coming out of that third industrial revolution, people need the skills to think for themselves and they require deep and consistent introspection and understand how to master the brilliance of our mind. Okay, so I hope you're with me so far. If we zoom out for a second and we consider where mind nudging fits into the IEGS process, which stands for Ignite, Embed, Grow and Sustain, which is part of the EPIC change model. So the mind nudging is the for the E in that journey. So we ignite, then we embed, then we grow, then we sustain. So if we consider the EPIC model here, mind nudging is designed to be both experiential or learner-centred and iterative to compound over time in other words habitual thinking it's transforming the way we think in an iterative way little by little by little a minute to three minutes a day but of course it's priming the unconscious mind and if you do that over time you're getting that compound effect so what we're doing when we design a learner-centered mind nudge is we're giving every individual a motive for changing at the start and perhaps a comparison or a storyline To help them understand the different perspectives, which of course can bring the unconscious thoughts into the conscious awareness. So, we're making them aware before we then go and give them a mind nudge to provide them with a task to focus on for that day. So, the onus of responsibility for doing the work in learner centered is in the learner's hands. And that's why, in the design of a mind nudge, you really got to give them a motive for doing it. So, what's in it for me? for changing. As silly as that may sound, we do need to sell it. We need to sell the idea of changing that thought because there's something in it for them. This will become more clear when you hear the script. Once we've raised the awareness, the mind nudge provides them with a task to focus on for that day that primes the mind throughout the day, or for more than one day, should that be appropriate, of course. So mind nudging is designed to repeatedly reframe our thinking And when these nudges are put together into these sprints, like I said, for a period of 24 days as a minimum, they act as building blocks to change the whole frame of mind. Now, to understand how this helps to accelerate and scale behaviour change in teams or organisations, just for a second, think in terms of language and think of language as a code, which it is, obviously. We all have a unique language code and that is programmed into our mind, that has evolved through our unique locality, our experiences, our upbringing, our values, culture, our education, aspirations, our talents, and so many other human complexities. Too many to mention. How we communicate with ourselves internally, that is our sort of internal dialogue, self-talk, whatever you want to call it, our internal language. As we navigate life, This dialogue and this language, this code, ultimately dictates the quality of how we express ourselves externally with everyone around us at both a conscious and an unconscious level. So when we're working with a team or organisation, the habitual language shapes the culture over time. And this is a major part of what shapes the quality of our working environment. It's not all of it, but it is a major part of it irrespective whether we're working in a hybrid environment, in a standard office or factory environment. We have to change ourselves first. We can't be changed. We have to be the change. And of course, being the change starts with changing how we talk to ourselves, how we think, and mastering the art of navigating the infinite space of our mind. So introspection is critical. If, If, of course, we're serious about creating a healthy workplace culture regardless of what it looks like it has to be healthy first so mind nudging allows us to take this internal hero's journey where we get to examine the quality of our conscious thought so it's introspective it's personal you really could not get any more personal it's personal development and we get to observe the state of our mental and emotional health too or if we want to make some changes and if so what changes and how do we want to make them what the mind nudge does that single mind nudge is designed to provide guidance techniques and the tools to make the changes introspectively step by step and that is why it's so powerful i want to talk now briefly about mind nudging sprints and mind nudging sprints are normally 24 days that include 24 daily mind nudges to achieve a specific transformation or a change in a frame, or I like to call frame of mind, not just a thought. So a mind nudging sprint kicks off with an experiential facilitated workshop, usually to ignite the change. So there's a way you're going to have the better effect, is that you have a workshop that's experiential, that ignites the change, and you're straight into the habitual thinking, embedding the change. And then halfway through, you have a group coaching session. And then at the end, you have a group coaching session. So these are still bite-sized chunks of transformational development. And each day, the mind nudge is taking one to three minutes, but they can do that on the go. So we don't count that time because it's on the go. It literally is on the go. And, you know, you don't have to sit and study the mind nudge. The mind nudge is doing the work by priming the mind for that day. But the important thing is to listen to it in the morning. Can we do them without the group coaching interventions? And if so, does that have an effect? Well, it does have an effect, obviously. So the answer is you can, yes, but there are three reasons why we do need them to support what is now a very busy workforce and often an overwhelmed workforce. And these are the reason that we almost can't get away without doing some coaching. It's better almost to lose the Ignite workshop, but stick with the two hour one in the middle, one at the end, coaching sessions, or maybe just three group coaching sessions. The important thing is getting people to engage into the process and ensuring they have a personal motive to change. So what's in it for them? They need to have that to take part. So the second is guidance. Not everyone understands things in the same way, especially with a deep journey of transformation like this one. It's easier if we have what I like to call a Sherpa to guide us through. So the third is accountability. When we know that there is a journey that has a beginning, middle and an end, we are more likely to reach the end and gain the benefits from the consistent work if we're accountable. So in summary, the Mind Nudging 1 to 3 Mind Primers do the job of allowing us to take the journey into our infinite mind. And that's great. But the experiential coaching, even though it is sort of three and a half hours in total, will allow us to stay the journey for that 24 days and get the most out of it. It keeps us on the pathway. And we're sort of more likely to gain the benefits. And what mind nudging does is help them become lifelong learners. Okay, now I'm going to play an audio lesson of a mind nudge script explainer, which is a lesson of around 13 minutes long. And here I'm going to walk you through the design of a script. So I'm going to take a script and explain why we designed it like we have. Once you've made the concept as a mind nudge, you can then turn it into an experiential activity that could be used in group learning. You could turn it into a learning video, an animation video. Essentially, if it's a good concept, you could turn it into a game. And what I'm trying to say here is you could make it into almost any experiential or learner-centered asset. So one script can be used in so many different ways. So have a listen and listen out for the scope of the learning. I'll be back to close off today's session after the explainer video. So enjoy. Hi, Hills here and welcome for the next few minutes. I would like to take you through a script to help you understand the approach from an epic methodology point of view. In other words, it's not any old script, it's a script that's designed to make either an animation video. Most of the scripts can be used in an audio fashion as well, but the point is it is built on this epic methodology. So I want to walk you through it and tell you how we've approached it so you can start to get an idea of how we're designing the scripts. Now that doesn't mean that you can't change the script to make it 100% better. It doesn't mean any of those things. You can be as creative as you like, but there are certain things that are must-haves In the script to be able to work at a more subliminal level and obviously be structured enough to take someone through so we can create both an experience and an overall learning outcome in the least possible amount of time. So let's get started I'm going to explain this is one called spot the likeness like me not like me so it's using a concept of like me not like me thing in the brain that tends to look at people and say, are you like me, are you not like me? It's like a scanner. Hannah Bell calls this a scanner of the like me scanner, but you can call it what you want. We're first gonna introduce it by giving them context and a bit of knowledge. So why do you need to care about this element of your brain? So we'll start off by saying, did you know? You you may already know that the human brain is the most complex system in the known universe. Nice opener. Well, imagine your brain had a scanner that looked for similarities you see or hear or feel as you go about your busy life? Well guess what it has? Our complex brain processes the data provided by the senses that automatically looks for similarities and patterns with information from past experiences and of course they're stored in our memory. Which is why something as simple as an old song can beam your whole being back into a time and help you relive that whole emotion. As if it were experience you just had yesterday. Isn't that amazing? Now, I'm not acting this out properly for you, but you get what we're doing here. We're opening up by giving them learning. Enough, but not too much. Enough to provide the context to what they're going to be doing and enough to provide them with the why. Why this is so important that they do this. So let's explore how our unconscious assumptions are formed automatically in our brain and how these automatic assumptions can be useful for our survival, but may also be inappropriate in our daily lives. So I'm setting them up for a task here to raise their awareness about something that's really important that they may not be using properly. So let's call this the like me, not like me scanner. That's the anchor. So let me say that again. Let's call this the like me, not like me scanner, using it as an anchor. Okay, just for a second. Now I'm gonna go into a bit of a storyline to take them to an understanding and help them now shift into their imagination. And to do this, I'm opening up a story. So I go, just for a second, imagine a young woman. Let's call her Susan. On her own, late one night, she's returning to the quiet shopping centre underground car park. So they're in their imagination thinking, oh, this could be dangerous. She pays using the ticket machine in an isolated area of the car park. Now we know this, we've all been there, haven't we? Before pressing the button for the lift to get to the second floor where she's parked her car earlier in the day. So you can imagine this scenario, can't you? What we're doing is we're providing the narrative to put them into it in their imagination so they can understand just how much this is affecting their life. There's no one else around, the door opens and there's a man inside of the lift. He's very scruffy looking, wearing a baseball cap. She can't really see his face as he's looking down at the ground. She gets a bad feeling and her survival instincts kicks in, sending her heartbeat crazy. She freezes. In that moment she's confused as her instincts tell her not to get into this lift with a man who she doesn't know. But her rational mind is saying don't be silly and don't offend this man. We've been taught to be polite. He could be perfectly innocent just go into his car. Okay so we're building up the scenario and then we're giving comparisons. So I'm now going to ask a question to make them think critically. So I'm going to ask this question what should Susan do when she hears her like me, not like me scanner kick in? Question. That's now making them think rationally. In this instance, and given the whole context, most people would agree that Susan would be right to listen to a gut feeling as the survival instinct could be critical in this situation. Also, what I've done there is actually take other people's opinion. So we're getting some social proof as well, which is strengthening the argument here. Yeah. Now some people may even say that Susan shouldn't even consider getting in a soundproof metal box with a dubious looking stranger that gives her a bad vibe. Trying to rule her like me not like Scanner using her slow rational thinking in this situation could very well endanger Susan. The objective of this video and this vibe should we call it is to help the participant understand That There's no right or wrong. They've got to make the decision, but they've got to become more aware of when to listen to their instinct and when not to. So we're going to make a comparison in a minute. So I've given her the real danger one. In this situation, you always listen to your instinct, because if you don't, you may get into trouble. You may be in danger. That is what your instinct is there for. It's your survival mechanism. It's primal. Right. Okay. so let's look at a different scenario. Susan is in a meeting at work and the new top boss introduces herself. She's got a strong Irish accent and dresses in unstylish and unfashionable clothing. She seems serious and formal. And on first glance, Susan is really not sure that she likes her and certainly is not getting a good vibe. The new boss then starts to say that things really are gonna have to change around here. Last year's performance was very disappointing, which is why, she's been brought in to change things. Susan's threat response kicks in here, of course. Her blood pressure raises, her heart rate will rise instantly. What should Susan do in this scenario when her like me, not like me scanner kicks in? Well you've guessed right, so I'm now going to tell them, of course you know the answer already here. In this situation it would be wise if Susan does engage her rational thinking and not act on her instinct or gut feel. Why? because there's no immediate threat to Susan's life or survival, but acting on her gut feel may well result in threatening her career prospects. So there's a threat, but it's actually to her career prospects. So in this point, she needs to stop. So this is the teaching here. When do I listen to it? When to override it with some rational thinking. Are we all doomed to a life of reacting to our brains like me, not like me instinct? I could have put scanner there, probably would have been better, but we've made it now. The good news is now I'm going to tell them we can learn this, right? We can learn this. So it's okay. I've given you a narrative, made you a comparison, which one. And this is scenario. You have to do this. In this scenario, you really should do this because it's going to result in a better decision for you. Okay. The good news is that we can learn to know when to listen to our not like me gut instinct and when to overrule it. As you go about your week, task, we're now Getting learner-centric. We want the task to be put onto the learner to do the work to learn this skill. We've told them about the scenario, we've raised their awareness, but we can't do any more. We can only give them a task and create the environment where in their heads they work it, and preferably all week. Yeah. Okay, as you go about your week, notice and observe your like me, not like me, instinctive reactions as you interact with others. So that is the task. We're giving them something to do. And as you notice how it makes you feel, stop. And ask yourself, do I feel this person is like me or not like me? And how does this make me feel? So what I'm asking them to do here is evaluate. So we're looking for self-inquiry. We're looking for evaluation. We're asking them to stop actually here and decide. In this occasion, if they're not like me, does it matter? Is this person a threat to me, a real threat to me? And should I be careful? Or is this person not a threat to me? It's still scanning for differences. My tribal instinct. We're allowing them to develop this mechanism a stop. Think rationally and decide. Then contemplate, what is it about them that is making you feel that way? And then ask yourself, should I engage my rational thinking here? Or should I run? You've only got two choices. If you're your rational thinking you stop and you think and if you run well you better get run because you're in danger. Take notice of how doing this makes you feel a greater sense of self-control and then label that emotion. So how does that make you feel? Label it. So we're starting to build that emotional awareness, that emotional regulation and overall emotional intelligence. Get curious And outsmart your unconscious mind by taking full control of your like me, not like me scanner anchor. So you notice how many times we put the anchor into this script. And at the end, we give them some good news. We leave it on a high. Get curious and outsmart your unconscious mind. Guys, you can do this, right? By taking full control of your like me, not like me scanner. Now, we need them to go away and practice this. And when they practice it and they get a better result and start to become better at decision making, they will start to engage in more of this learning because there's something in it for them. So we get always concerning in what is the motive for them to engage in what I'm asking them to do? Well, first, they've got to engage, try it. And if they get a result, they'll engage in more learning. So we're building the engagement in, we're building the structure in, we're building the reflection in, as well as all the narrative. And we're letting them make the decision, which is ethical. So whilst we are putting anchors in, and that is subliminal, what we are doing is allowing them to make the decision because we're giving them the comparison. You can, you can do this or you can do this. But you've got to decide when to do what. It's in your control. Only you can change the way you think and only you can be a better decision maker. Nobody can make those decisions for you. But what we can do is help you understand different scenarios so you can decide how to use that like me, not like me scanner. So in that one script, there is an enormous amount of learning going on. And it's probably a video that would take three, three and a half minutes. That they take away a task, the learning is learner centric, so it's going on to them. Can you imagine the power in this? And then imagine doing one of these every day or every second day. How much development of these people are practicing these one tool at a time in their mind they could get? So anyway, I wanted to help you walk you through how we make these scripts and how when you design your own scripts, that if they are to follow this experiential approach, that they need to be thought about in a very deep way. And it also needs to be very ethical, i.e. you're not doing the thinking for the people, you're merely creating an environment where they can think for themselves. And that's not only the ethics, it's revolutionary in terms of the learning outcome. I hope that was helpful on a bit of scripting. We are going to be doing a heck of a lot about scripting because it is so important. By the way, you can take this script and make a cafe style activity out of it. You can make it into a workshop or part of a workshop. You can make a learning video vibe out of it. You can make a mind hack out of it and split it into three. There is literally so much you can do when you've got one concept and build a script out of it. How exciting is that? So one idea, you can grow into many, many assets So thanks for listening. But that's all for today. In episode four, I'm going to be talking to Abby Morricinu, looking at the state of health and well-being in our organisations today. And that's going to be out in the next couple of days. So do listen out for that. If you have any questions or concerns or thoughts, we'd love to hear your input. Please do email us at admin at virtualcoffeehouse.co of course you can visit our website at virtualcoffeehouse.co that's all from me v hills today so all that's left to say is over and out